Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. My name is Christopher Thomas Plant. My name is Russ Froschick. And this is The Resties, where the rest of the best discuss the best of the rest. And also Master Chief having sex. <laughs> I should have known. You didn't put this in our in our planning document. I didn't, but he. it just happened. It just happened. And we need to talk about it. Because how many video game characters do you know have canonically had sex? And I feel like it's not as many as you think it is. I know Master Chief, uh, the Mass Effect franchise, almost all of them had sex fine. But, like, we don't know if Gordon Freeman ever had sex. Um, excuse me, this is a different Halo canon? The TV canon is uh, a, a, a different canon entirely. Do you think it's aspirational games. for Master Chief? Oh, unquestionably. Now that I have no <laughs> doubt about. <laughs> he would love to... But actually, he doesn't need love. Well, I mean, actually, Apparently no. He well, I'm going to walk that back. He... He receives all of the manufactured love he needs from his suit mm. that takes care of him. Yes. This is, that's canonical. Yeah. Uh, I'm not watching the show, it should be noted. I just heard about this on, on the internet today because everyone was uh-huh. all frenzied about the idea that Master Chief had sex on the show. So I don't worry, I guess, about spoilers because I don't know necessarily the character he had sex with or whatever. But I do know that Cortana watched along and had like weepy eyes while it was happening, which is not what I was expecting. I did not have Cortana getting cucked on my bingo card, (laughs) but here we are. (laughs) Anyway. This week we're talking about Lego Star Wars, (laughs) the Skywalker saga. Uh, You know, and there's no cucking allowed in the series because it's for kids. Yeah, um, I, I think mean, that's I thought the same like thing the about Halo, but here we are. That's true. That is true. And it did say, yeah, wasn't that like, finish the fight, never get cucked was yes. the motto? Yeah. Yeah, that was the sequel. Um, what is Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga? Nine films worth of video games here. Each film gets its own mini open worlds, like multiple mini open worlds. Dozens of characters are in it. Tons of ships. There's so much content. Too much, you might ask? We'll ask more about that after the break. Okay, Fresh. I'm going to kick this off and and get the, the heavy part out of the way first. Okay. So Polygon, the website that we also work at, published a report by Jack Yarwood uh, around just ahead of the game's release. Uh that detailed the like crunch and accusations or allegations of gendered pay gaps, mismanagement across the game and its custom engine. It did not sound like a good place to work during yeah. the development of this game. And this game took, I believe, around five years to make. Um, so that part, I just want to emphasize up front, not good. Yes. And I would also add that, unfortunately... <laughs> the number of pretty dreadful video game places is high and continues to get bigger. Yes. You know, or I guess it becomes more publicly understood. Yes. I think it was probably always high. Now it's known. That said, there are obviously many developers who worked very hard on this game and who love what they did on this game and want and aren't people bad to, people. Yeah, and aren't so bad people and want yes. you to see what they did on this game and something that I I'm looking forward to talking about here is you can see that on an individual level. Um, 
you can also kind of see, I think, the crunch in the game. So I want to talk about that first. There is so much in this game, and I think part of that is by nature of the aesthetic of Legos. You can just kind of keep making stuff. It's pretty simple, you know, like geometry for for the characters and the art style. I, I assume it certainly looks less complex than, you know, making a new character in, I don't know, what's the... Uncharted. Is, Uncharted, sure. Um and yeah, well, well, I think the, I think yeah. the way to tackle this is let's just talk about like the structure of the game, yeah. and that'll I think give people an indication as to why there is there was probably a lot of crunch and like so much content in this game and so much potentially content bloat, as it were. I like this game for what it's worth, but I, I but Same. it is worth kind of knowing. And the and the structure of the game is bizarre. It's like unlike any other game I can possibly think of. Okay, so. It's all nine movies in the, quote, Skywalker saga. Uh, so episode one through episode nine. And the uh, when you start the game, you can pick the beginning of I, one of the three trilogies. So you can start at the beginning. You start at New Hope. You could start at episode one, Phantom Menace. Or you could start at um, Force Awakens. And then you basically play through those trilogies kind of in a row. And the way the the trilogies are broken out. They'll have like traditional level uh, Lego levels, which is to say they'll like kind of linear uh, objective based. Hey, flip this switch, turn this thing, whatever. Uh, Recreate those are, like, the very, beats of the movie. Basically. Yeah. Following the beats of the movie, but, but very true. If you've ever played a Lego game before, this is going to feel very familiar to you, I think. And then in between those very familiar linear Lego style levels are, literal open world areas like big big areas like moss eisley and uh i just played the original trilogy so i'm like thinking what well, oh, you know where luke grew up whatever tatooine and its surrounding areas um and in those areas there are like shitloads of like little quests to chase down and like collectibles and unlockable characters and reasons to go back when you unlock other characters it's, I mean, astonishing just how much they jammed into this and the idea that this is across, again, nine movies, three trilogies in one game. It's a lot of stuff. Yeah, and it, it's the open world stuff where the crunch feels so suspect to me because I, I similarly have just played through the, the original trilogy. I haven't even touched the prequel or the, I don't know, threequel. Prequels are for Zoomers. Hey, I love the prequels. We They're for get into that in a second. I don't but, mean that derogatorily. I I, yeah. I think the Zoomers like the prequels yeah, more than we do. They grew up on it. Yes, um, but I've I have like basically straight shot the first the, the the core trilogy, and that's taken about like eight nine hours. Yeah, and that's again not doing any of the open world stuff. So if you figured that holds true for the other game or the other movies effectively that's 27 hours of of game right here right and it's just like going through just going through the story linear. of the film right not even doing like free play mode and going back and get which is like way more content on yes. top of that and and all of that stuff doesn't feel like i feel like i would like the game just as much without that stuff which um, stuff? The free play with stuff? all the free play stuff, oh. and and with hmm. like all of the so like right away there's downloadable packs for Mandalorian characters. Yeah, just there are tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of references to like niche Star Wars stuff, 
Which on one hand, like as a fan, is cool. But again, if I'm thinking about this from a like management perspective, which is like something that you and I have to do often at Polygon, right? Sure. There comes a point where you're like, hey, this is cool, but as much as you want it and I want it and our fans want it, it's going to make us all miserable. So like, let's not like let we let's be happy with what we can do in a healthy way, and I it's hard to like see that when playing this game that like that 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 was said but maybe it was in certain rooms. That's the other problem is like were parts of this game you know the, was the art team more better managed than the sound team or the design team? Like I don't know. It, it's just it's kind of overwhelming uh, being in this game. It feels like. This is weird to say, but it feels like a GTA game in the sense that like they had made all of these Lego games and they're like, we are going to throw everything at this game. We're going to put every idea we've ever had, every con, every character that's ever appeared in Star Wars is going to be in this game. People will never need to buy another game for another 10 years because we're just going to like go so ham on this game. And it's a choice. I mean, I, I, it's funny because I feel differently than you do. I actually really like the free play stuff and find the more linear stuff a little more dull. Um, I think it just has a lot to offer to a lot of people. And for considering how much is in there, I was surprised at how, how it feels pretty good. It doesn't feel great. It's, it's like a janky action game. But it, it doesn't feel like the mindless, like, isometric third-person beat-em-up that LEGO games used to be. It's like third-person cover-based shooting and lightsaber and, and uh, you know, force powers and combo attacks. There's, like, a lot of surprising depth to this game that I actually was kind of impressed by. Um, yeah. I mean, it feel, you can feel that people cared. And again, you think Rockstar is the perfect comparison with GTA and Red Dead. And that you can tell that the people who made this game cared deeply yeah. <laughs> about like everything that they were putting in. And were like interrogating tons and tons of ideas. Even if the game's mechanics are quite simple. And, you know, it, it, is, it is a game that is meant for kids to enjoy. That's where different, you know, it takes a different path than Rockstar. But I, I agree in the same way that when I play um, Red Dead Redemption 2, I have that same feeling where I'm like, oh, on one hand, what I like about this game is how it feels so big and it feels like such an escape, right? That that it's so complete in its vision. But then at the other time, it's as somebody who cares about how games are made, it is hard not to like just feel a little weird. Did I need 10, 10 hours of someone dying of tuberculosis in that game? No, I, I think I could have <laughs> yeah. been okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, I just want to talk about that up top because I think it is worth addressing. I, You know, I, like you said, this is probably happening in studios that we don't even know about. But we do know about this one, so we yeah. should talk about it. Um, yes. Uh, okay, so you said you started with the, uh, the original trilogy first. Is yes. there a reason why? Yeah, because just, you know, that's the one I have the most fondness for. That's the one I grew up on. Um, uh, Yeah. I mean, I think the hit-to-miss ratio of Star Wars movies, these in particular, is not great. Um, So, uh, you know, I picked the trilogy that of the, you know, movies that range from, like, B-plus to A-plus, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that 
is right. I mean, I I picked it just because I mem- like I have a familiarity with the set pieces. Like, yeah, that's sure. what I wanted to see. I when I think of like the great set pieces, I don't know. The prequels are are up there too. Sure, the, the Geonosian Arena. Who doesn't love that? <laughs> hey, I love pod racing. That's pod <laughs> racing. Um, but like, weirdly, as much as I enjoy the modern movies, I don't. I don't really care about the set pieces in those movies that much. I guess Last Jedi. Wait, I, I, the modern I, movies like the the new trilogy, the most recent trilogy. Yeah, I I like the like. Do you do you? What is your ratio of enjoying those to not enjoying them? I I like last jedi sure i'm like okay on force awakens i really really wish i didn't see the last one yeah that's sort of where i'm at as well yeah and then in terms of action in it i like the last jedi's um the hoth ripoff where i mean they're all ripoff isn't nice but like nod oh sure on the red salt crystal planet yeah um i think that's great and i think that the saber fight in last jedi is one of the best ones in the series but then, yeah, you get away from those two scenes, and most of the action in, in the modern trilogy feels kind of repetitive um, and samey. It's not like stuff that I feel is as iconic as, honestly, as even the prequels is. Yeah. It does actually help from a game design standpoint that there is so much like familiarity beat to beat between the movies because mm-hmm. you are sort of working with a similar toolkit throughout where they have these like classes of like, oh, it's a scoundrel. And there's like 60 different Han Solo scoundrel types that you could use um, versus like, oh, here's 40 bounty hunters that you can pick from. And realistically, the difference between them is negligible, but it's nice. It's good fan service. People like unlocking things. I was actually like surprised that they went with the, I don't, I haven't played that many of the newer Lego games, but like, is this, directly behind the back camera angle is that new for lego games i don't know i haven't played a lego game in forever i mean have, have they released that many lego games in the past few years i thought it was kind of like it's like, been a while all the this eggs is the first basket. one in like yeah a good chunk of time yeah i um i never played the open world i think it was lego city undercover oh, that game was that game was nice that was like one of the very first switch open world games yeah. so it felt great because you could play an open world game on switch i'm not sure how it would feel now um but this feels like uncharted like moving around the world feels like uncharted it's jankier than uncharted but like that's the vibe you get from it which is really weird because it is a kids game and the f- my first reaction of like, oh, I don't know how I feel about that, starts in A New Hope. So the scene, as we all remember it, you're on the Corellian cruiser, uh, Darth Vader docks with the cruiser, the stormtroopers like burst through the hole that is exploded, and you as, I guess, Leia is like fighting them off and trying to like get the plant- Death Star plans off the ship. So in uh, this game, when you shoot stormtroopers oh. <laughs> in the head... The their helmet pops off and you see a human person face under the helmet, which, as we know from the latter movies, uh, exemplified by the character Finn, who was originally a stormtrooper and then sort of came over to the rebel side. Yes, they are indeed people under those masks. But in all the previous Lego Star Wars uh, games, they didn't really highlight that so much. And to see it here. And the idea that, like, there's people under those that you are now, like, shooting in the head 
feels very weird to me. Headshots are fatal. Yeah, yeah they, because if you get the helmet off and then you shoot him in the head, I believe it's an instant kill. Yes, it's an instant kill, and it feels very good <laughs> and also very bad at the same time. <laughs> yeah, it's um, I mean, I, talking about a new hope in in the original trilogy structure, for better and worse, knowing how the trilogy plays out made it feel both really like a video game and really um slow at times mm. because the action does get better across those movies like yeah i don't think return of the jedi is the best movie but the action in that movie rules you know whether it's the entire the rancor fight or the sarlacc pit or the, the ewoks speed bikes or the ewoks or another death star um there's just a lot going on a new hope is i mean it was like a kind of an indie sci-fi movie at the time yeah. um and the action set pieces are like, they get stuck in a trash compactor. <laughs> it's like, okay, cool, 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 cool. Tell me more. I mean, you do do the trench run. You do, you do, at the, at the very end. Yeah. Um, but it, it takes a while to get there. And then, um, yeah, like, I think if I like had, if everything had be unlocked from the, the top, I'd have been like, great, I'm going to go to Hoth, I'm going to do that. I'm yeah. going to go to Return of the Jedi, I'm going to do the speed bikes. And I, I wonder if in some way this is them recognizing they do have to kind of wrangle the player a little bit um, to make sure that they actually have an enjoyable experience and don't just, you know, go eat the frosting off of every cake and then call it a day. It does feel like a frosting kind of game. There's just like a lot of like all the mini missions that you find in the open world are like things that you can finish in four minutes and I don't know, they, there was like a woman who had a bunch of womp rats that were like invading her cantina or whatever the fuck. Yeah. And you just like go in there as Obi-Wan and just like wreck shit and then stuff uh, like giant furniture in the womp rat holes. <laughs> and that's the mission. And it was just like, you know, I, I kept thinking I was playing this on my PC and I kept thinking, man. This is like the perfect game for something like a Steam Deck or something like Switch. Uh, I know so there is a Switch version. I don't know how it runs, but I would imagine this is kind of perfect for something like uh, the Switch or the Steam Deck, just because it is so mindless that being able to like kind of peck away at it while you're watching Netflix or something like that, uh, this is like the ideal circumstance. Yeah, I mean, that's literally what I've done the past few nights. Steph had stuff to watch. And I yeah. was like, great, you can watch whatever you want. I don't care. I will watch kind of sideways with you, and I'll pick at this. And it was delightful. The only she was watching part sideways? She was watching sideways, and I was like, yeah. oh, Merlot, again? <laughs> um, <laughs> so stupid. Uh, I didn't get to any of the fl flying, because I was just playing New Hope. Um, does it feel okay? The flying? Like... Any like flying ships? Oh, parts. you well. So you oh, so you just played New Up. So yeah, between planets, you will fly around, and you um, it's great. It's it's very clever. They're kind of borrowing from the No Man's Sky of it all, where yeah. you are in the galaxy, like or in outer space, and there are things that you can go do in outer space, like go blow up comets or go start like a little uh, space fight side quest. Or you can fly towards the planet and there's a little beacon that you hit. And the second you accept the mission, it seamlessly like starts this landing animation. So it looks like you are going from outer space into the world that you're going to go play on. And correct me if I'm wrong, the galaxy map 
contains all of the locations from every movie. Correct? Yes. And in free play, I believe there's a free play mode where you can just hop around the galaxy in as any of the characters that you want. Yeah. So um, I, I, I went back after I did a few missions, I went back and did that first Corellian assault mission, but I did like IG-88, the bounty hunter and Bo-Katan, the, oh, I guess <laughs> author bounty hunter. And uh, that was kind of fun. And, and it actually lets you access uh, areas that you can't access with the default characters, which is like a nice little feature. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of torn on these games where they let me do uh, like really build up all these different little mini worlds, but also I can play as like a hundred different characters because something I like about building up a open world space, like let's say Assassin's Creed. I loved those games where you built up your estate effectively yeah. is it felt connected to the story in a way. And it felt like something I was accomplishing as silly as that seems. Sure. Yeah. But in these games where it's like, okay, you're now you're at the, uh, the landing base at the end of a new hope. Um, you know, you can go do like 10 or 20 things or find all this stuff. It's like, oh, I mean, sure, but this feels really superfluous. <laughs> like, I don't know why I'm doing this. I don't know what, like, what's my motivation is so, it's so silly to say, but it, it is making me realize that I need a little bit more of that. If I'm going to be sinking my time into kind of like meaningless stuff other than, hey, you get this special glowing blue brick that allows you to unlock a few extra power-ups. Yeah, it feels mobile gamey in that yeah. way because it like really just cut cuts away any uh pretension of like this is a meaningful like narrative and is totally like we're just gonna scratch that uh itch in your brain that wants to like unlock shit. Yeah, which again maybe that's why I have the whole you could cut this and just give me the the main chunk of the game and I would be perfectly happy. But that said, I get why like this is probably more appealing towards a kid. Right, like yeah, hey, you one hundred percent. I think a kid wants place. to yeah, break the game stuff. in that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, real quick before we wrap this section, did you have a favorite level, character, anything like that? Yeah, again, I I didn't get. Uh, I just really played through most of uh, A New Hope, and um, I just liked the um again the modularity of it. Uh, playing as the Bo-Katan, who is the uh, one of the Mandalorian characters and having like dual pistols was like a really nice touch and it felt authentic and you get a jetpack and stuff like that. So even though the characters don't vary that much from bounty hunter to bounty hunter, you will see a pretty significant difference. Like IG-88 had a big rifle that fired pulse attacks and stuff like that. So I don't know. For For Star Wars fans, I think it's really hard to deny that it scratches that like nostalgia itch. Um, I think for people that are just looking for like a mindless third person action game, there are probably better options because this does have like a lot of cruft in it, but I, I liked it more than I thought I did. I, I was going to, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely recommend it. I mean, especially it's going to be a slow year for big AAA games. We yeah. See, right. And between this and, uh, Elden Ring, very different games, but Wow. I mean, these two games could eat up the rest of your year if you really wanted them to. Yeah, you um, could probably spend 200 hours in this game alone if you wanted to, like, get everything. Wild how big this game feels. Um, yeah. Anyway, we have a bunch of questions from oh, listeners. Oh, boy. So how about we take a break, and then we can start answering those. Okay. 
Okay, we are back. I have questions for you. Are you ready? Russell I'm ready. Fushnick, here yes. we go. It is Star Wars time, baby, from Simp Biscuit. You know I'm going to start with the question from Simp Biscuit. Great name. Would the remake of KOTOR, Knights of the Old Republic, be better as 100% faithful to its original gameplay or in the, fi- the style of Final Fantasy VII Remake? So this came up in, I know you weren't there, but mm. in the most recent episode of The Besties, never heard we of talked it. about KOTOR, and I mentioned that I've never played KOTOR. It's on Switch, so, right? You can do that right now. It is on Switch, but I knew that there was a remake coming, and so I figured I might as well just wait until the remake comes mm-hmm, rather than mm-hmm. just like play the Switch version. I so. mean, yeah, I in terms of this question, definitely the Final Fantasy VII remake format. Or, or just like requel, I guess, is like the movie term for it, where it's kind of a remake, but really it's its own thing. I I do not need a glossy version of an RPG from that many years ago. Mm. I just, I, I don't know who that's for other than people with nostalgia for it who are probably going to buy it and then maybe play like 10 hours and then be like okay yeah that was that was nice it was good to revisit my nostalgia but video games change so fast that there are very 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 few that i think would be worth one-to-one original gameplay truly 100 percent faithful adaptations very few yeah i i would agree with that um i again not having played it but i do know i would imagine that it, it certainly is creaky in certain areas. And I would also say, like, for people that want to scratch the nostalgia itch, the HD version just came out on Switch. And you can play that and not have it look like total ass. But I think there are probably people that, like, want that story, but with more modern gameplay implemented. So that would be my hope as well. Uh, next question is from Lillian King. Best Star Wars game for someone ambivalent about Star Wars? Oh, that's a good question. Do you, you um, have I would probably say Fallen Order. Yeah, I think that's a good one. Jedi Fallen Order, which is the third person um, action kind of um, Souls-like-ish, Metroidvania-ish that came out a couple years ago, and there's a sequel coming on the way. Yeah. Um, I don't know why. I think it's good. That game is good because it isn't so up the lore ass of Star Wars as many of the other games are. Like, you don't need to recognize every single character because almost all the characters are new characters. Mm. They make references to events that happened in the past. But so long as you have a surface understanding of, hey, the clones killed a bunch of Jedis, you're fine. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I, I think that game is like, pretty great for onboarding that said it is a very hard game for people that aren't like don't play a lot of games so that's worth keeping in mind yeah for me it would be um probably the force unleashed which i think just got ported to oh yeah that's a good one yeah which is just hey go blow stuff up as a super powerful jedi who i think like so you're so powerful you can bring down star destroyers i think at a certain point yeah something absurd um yeah i'd say that I would say like any of the Star Wars pinball games because pinball is always great. You know, Star Wars are not. Um, and uh, da, da, da. I mean, people, I think had I played it, I would p- 
probably say maybe KOTOR because KOTOR takes place a thousand years before Star Wars. So realistically, like, I don't know how much Star Warsy stuff there is. They have lightsabers, but it's yeah. not like Han Solo's running around. Yeah. I mean, it also, it's like if you, it depends on what era of video game you like. If you like retro yeah. games, I mean, the X-Wing TIE Fighter games on PC. Oh, yeah, those are Rogue good. Squadron on Nintendo 64, GameCube era. Uh, the the Empire Strikes Back Super Nintendo game, which I'm pretty sure is the one where Darth Vader turns into a giant robot spider. Or Scorpion. Oh, Super, you're talking about Super Empire Strikes super Back, Empire another Strikes game that Back. came up during our episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I think those are all like fun games. Again, it's just a matter of your stomach for old games that play kind of funky. Yeah. Um, uh, okay, next question. Um, from Javarkis. Which Star Wars game caused you the most fresh frustration as a kid before you finally realized it just wasn't very good? Ooh, another good question. Okay, so oh, man, I, I, I think need we're to gonna have the same up. one. I don't think oh, really? so. You do yours while I look mine. Okay, up. mine is Shadows of the Empire. On yeah, that's 64. what I thought you were gonna say, yeah. but that is not mine. I have a strong fondness for Shadows of the Empire. I, I have a very strong fondness for it. I will also say it's a frustrating game that is completely busted. Um, when Shadows of the Empire came out, <laughs> I don't. I, I, I'm gonna the the history of video games is a little fuzzy here, so correct me if I'm wrong. Fresh making games for game cartridges was expensive and difficult. Um, yes, you, you could not always get the cartridges like that you literally needed to put the game onto. They cost a lot more to make. They had to be customized in certain ways for certain games. So finding Shadow of the Empire, the holiday that it came out, was extremely difficult. Yeah, Justin and Griffin had the exact yeah, same problem. So difficult, and they were stuck with Wayne Gretzky. 3D hockey? hockey. That game's great. Yes. I hope they better have said <laughs> nice things. Um, the, the the puck glows. Um, anyway. Yeah, went all over the place for this game with with my dad, you know, didn't get it for Christmas. He's like, don't worry, well, you know, you get your Christmas present whenever we can find it and search for it for months. We finally find a copy. And wow, did I sink a ton of time into that game waiting for it to get good um, before I finally accepted it's not everything I wanted it to be. But hey, the book was a masterpiece. Yeah. Last time I read it, I was like eight. So <laughs> who knows? Dash Rendar. Um, yeah, I, I like that game a lot. I think the jetpack is really cool. And I don't know. I, the speed bike is great. And the too. speeder bike, right. Uh, my game is Star Wars Rebel Assault, which was a game that came out mm. in 1993 on DOS. It came out on Mac, uh, Sega CD, 3DO, etc. It's basically an on-rails shooter where you are flying various X-Wings in various, like... Oh, yeah. I remember this one. It has a great box. It has a really good box. And I played it when um, I visited my grandparents in San Diego. And they, in the interest of keeping me and my brother busy, would get us one PC game to play while we were visiting them for the for the span of two weeks, or whatever it was. And our pick one year was Rebel Assault. And this game starts out, I believe you're flying through Beggar's Canyon in an X-Wing. And after like 20 or 30 tries, eventually we were able to beat Beggar's Canyon and unlock, I think, a uh, Star Destroyer level where you're like strafing a Star Destroyer and then died. And it started us back at Beggar's Canyon 
And I was like, no, I can't do this again. And I don't think that I ever did. miserable. Yet the reviews are not Yeah, it was, it was bad. Good. It made me very uh, sad. Hyper liked it. Uh, Hyper Magazine gave it a 90%, but Edge Magazine, yeah. 5 out of 10. So EGM gave it a 5.75 out of 10. You know, bless but EGM hey, they, for their precision. We needed that. <laughs> Down to the I remember I really percent. cared about that. Uh, I, 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 it, all it says on the Wikipedia is that GamePro gave the Sega CD version a negative review, but it does not say whether or not the, any Scary Larry was a Oh, sure. Um, which is really a shame yes. and honestly a problem for the Wikipedia entry. Um, wait, I got one more. Uh, I guess I got a, another question or two. Um, hmm. Okay, this one's from uh, David. What game genre would you be interested in seeing the Star Wars universe tackle? Pure survival horror would be great, although I doubt Disney would ever approve it. Uh, I, I think survival horror would be great. I think Disney would be open to that i don't think they're as controlling with star wars as maybe they were like around the han solo time where they're like we can't have jokes in this yeah. uh i think they are more open especially after the success of mandalorian and various other things they are more open to mixing things up with the star wars franchise um so yeah survival horror would be amazing i don't know what what the setting would be for that Mm, it would probably the trash compactor. Oh, the entire game is just the trash. <laughs> the entire game is <laughs> the trash is horrible. compactor. So there you go. Oh my gosh, how great would it be if it was just a game where you are the trash compactor? Oh man, and you control like close and open. Yeah, and, and that's lower it. ceiling. It's a game. No, it's... that'd be a good mobile game. Hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I I agree. I think that Disney would let any genre work. They would just maybe pull the punches in the same way that. The MCU, that's the whole gimmick of the MCU these days, right? It's like, oh, no, it's a 70s political thriller. Oh, no, it's a cosmic horror film. Yeah. And it's like that for 20%, and then it's like just an MCU movie for the rest. Yeah. But it gives you something to kind of sink your teeth into. I could see something similar with the video games. I, yeah, I don't think they're ever going to go super gory. It doesn't seem like it, but I, I could see them doing something survival horror. Uh, in terms of other genres, I mean, they've done so much of it. The The type of stuff that I would want would be more expansions to established games. So, like, I would love a Forza Horizon Star Wars expansion. What? Yeah. What does that mean? Where you could, like, like, put it on... Well, not Tatooine, because Tatooine's so boring. But, like, I don't know, maybe a mix of biomes somehow. And I can use land speeders. Land speeders are not and fun to drive. I think they're fun. No. I mean, also, a lot of the cars in... Pod Fitzroy racing are not is the only cars. thing you could say is pod racing. Pod racing. Like, fine, pod racing. But um, land speeders... Let, let me fly uh, the Millennium Falcon at a very <laughs> close to the ground <laughs> level. Hey, I'm, I'm saying this... They did this in uh, that Cruise in USA game we played on Switch. You could play as like a helicopter oh, yeah. in that game. And it was great. Yeah. I don't care. I'm just saying I want more Star Wars stuff in, in games that I already enjoy and that work. I don't know if I need like a new Star Wars game, a big new Star Wars game every year. And I think we're going to get that. Like that appears to be the approach yeah. going off of the tons of stuff that they have in development. I'll tell you what I want. It's very simple. Okay. The framework of a Saints Row game in Star Wars. Mm. Sounds good. Sounds good, right? You're yeah. whatever, a Padawan. You got a blaster 
and slowly but surely you get more and more powerful and you're at uh, by the end of the game you're jumping across coruscant slamming down on stormtroopers and collecting like orbs of strength like that sounds amazing yeah yeah that would be that would be pretty great especially because yeah i just want more star wars stuff that lets jedi go all yes out. you know like that it, that it recognized the inherent goofiness of them being superheroes um, because I feel like that doesn't get played with a lot. Yeah, or or it's, just like don't like, have it be Jedi, have it be Sith or whatever, a rebel faction of Jedi that don't give a shit about the rules. Like yeah. there are so many areas that you can play with. And I think yeah, I think they started doing that with Force Unleashed. And uh, yeah, well, that's why Force Unleashed is so fun, because yeah. it just asks the obvious question, which is if these characters are as powerful as they supposedly are, why do they not do all right. this bonkers stuff? Right. Like, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, that's the fun of the the end of Rogue Squadron, right? Where Darth Vader just goes ham. Yes. <laughs> on all those those, those dudes. Um, yeah, I agree. Uh, one One final thing. And a couple people brought this up. Mm. Uh, I'm going to read Grayson's question, but uh, John uh, also mentioned this too. Uh, Grayson said, it is time for the besties to weigh in on the Darth Jar Jar fan theory and settle it once and for all. Okay. Are you familiar with it? I am indeed. You don't even need to read it to me. I am familiar with it. Okay. Can can you share it? Yeah, I'm going to go off memory. So this might not be exact. But my understanding is the idea is that Jar Jar Binks, uh, known, mm-hmm. uh, what are they called? On Naboo? Whatever. Sure. Whatever they're, uh, Gungans. Known Gungan. Mm-hmm. Is in fact a Dark Lord of the Sith, and all of his goofy nonsense is actually a misdirect to slowly but surely ins- ensure that the Sith take over the galaxy, and uh, which, in fact is what happens. Effectively, Jar Jar is totally in favor of Emperor Palpatine taking over the Senate and everyone's clapping and it's all great. And then obviously we know how that pans out. So the idea, uh, you know, the online theory was that Jar Jar had this whole thing planned from the beginning and it was all kind of like a big setup, like a drunken master situation. Now... My understanding, and and again, this plays into the fan theories, is that because the backlash was so harsh against Jar Jar after episode one, the feeling is that George Lucas might have changed tack with him and didn't make him like the centerpiece of the entire rest of the series and just made him a side character, Uh, which is possible. The backlash was ridiculously intense, um, probably fairly, but... It does, if that were true, I honestly think it would paint the uh, prequel trilogy in a completely different light and be really, really fascinating. Like, I would have to rewatch episode one over again with that in mind to think, wow, this is what they were setting up. Um, yeah. So, yeah. It, so, uh, I, there's very technical reasons why it doesn't quite make sense, like this whole, like, there can only be two Sith at a time thing. Yeah. But... But I'm gonna I'm gonna quote Western Oregon University a piece there. How uh, much debt did author, someone go into when they were writing this article? R- Rachel Hetzel wrote this. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, okay, the most agreed upon part of the of the theory. 
Jar Jar and uh, Sidious were conspiring together. For a bumbling fool, Jar Jar had way too many major plot influences. He is the reason Senator Palpatine rose to mm. power in the Senate and later gained the emergency powers that allowed him to destroy democracy and bring the Galactic Empire to life. The two are practically inseparable throughout the prequels. Jar Jar is constantly at his side, convincing others to give him more power. And later on in this piece, uh, Hetzel writes... Uh, Ahmed Best, the actor who portrayed Jar Jar, confirmed the theory on Twitter and during an interview. Addressing the Darth Jar Jar theory, Best tweeted, I will say this, it feels really good when the hidden meaning behind work is seen. Mm. And during an interview, uh, Best said, there's a lot about this that's true. Because of the backlash, and rightfully so, Lucasfilm backed off from Jar Jar a lot. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That would have been great. Well, here's what I'm going to say. At this point... They, uh, I would say Disney is v- seemingly very willing to lean into any remote side fan theory and turn it into entire series. So don't be surprised because Obi-Wan is a show that exists and uh, there's plenty to do there. Oh my gosh, that's true. That's true. That could be the big moment for Jar Jar. If Jar Jar is not an Obi-Wan, that feels like a travesty. Is he canonically you know, dead? I, Did he die at some point? I don't think so. I think he's like I think he's like Poochie, you know. He went off to another planet. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't. I don't know if I think it's true or not. I think it makes. I will say that the films and the prequel. I will. Say, oh my gosh, the prequels. There's so much political intrigue in them that it wouldn't surprise me if this was the original intention. It. They're just so dense and so over the top that this seems right. Um, but it also seems really, I mean, it might also just be this concern that like, well, we, how many villains do we have? You know, they had Dooku, they had Darth Maul, they had Palpatine, they had eventually Anakin as Vader, like probably a little fatty in terms of like how many villains you had to deal with. I don't know, man. I, I like the theory, but I, I agree. I don't think in the long run, Lucas, I think Lucas would not admit to this being true yeah i i think the other thing is like dooku would have been replaced by jar jar so we could have had the the yoda jar jar fight that the world it's also way more clever uh, not clever i'm sorry because i don't want to take anything away from george lucas but george lucas's stories are so straight ahead like they're so straight ahead that the idea that there would be this like usual suspects x-esque twist just isn't his style at all yeah, I don't well, know though. Then I, I, think, Vader, I think that's true and, for the original. Yeah, yeah. And, and also the entire point of like the prequel movies is about how you know supposedly well-intentioned democracies can get complacent and then just straight up hand over the power to you know yeah, fascists. That's true. Like it could it could be there. Yeah. Um. Uh. Anyway, that's the reader mail. Do you have any other stuff to mention? Uh, I wanted to say that I started watching Kaguya-sama Love is War. Hell yeah. Which was a series that Chris Plant recommended as part of this segment probably a month or so ago. And I don't, because I don't have Crunchyroll, uh, there's like a number of anime that I want to watch but haven't had the chance to. But I do have Hulu, and this is on Hulu, so that's where I watched it. And man, it's really great. Not only is it great, it's great right out of the gate. There's no warm-up. Like, within five minutes, I was sold on this show. Um, it's um, My wife and I watch it together. She's totally over the moon about it. 
um, very funny, very warm, great characters, uh, really great animation, very like well voiced. Uh, just as a refresher for people that aren't familiar, it's a rom com set in a high school where the uh, uh, president and the vice president of the student council are basically in love with each other, but unwilling to admit that. So they have these like mind games fighting over who's going to admit it first. And um, it reminds me of like Election, that uh, Thomas Paine movie. Yeah. To some extent. And, uh, but with like more um, Wes Anderson kind of thrown in there for good measure. Yeah. And also way warmer. Oh, yeah. It's, than, it's much warmer. It's not, <laughs> yeah, it's not it's, like yeah. the super depressing, it's weirdly very pedophilic sweet. aspects that <laughs> Election is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, my other addition is a game I actually haven't started yet, but I'm going to be starting uh, very soon while I'm on vacation, and that is Citizen Sleeper. Do you know about this one? No. It's the latest game from Jump Over the Ages. They um, did uh, Other Waters. I don't know what that is. Oh, it was a very cool sci-fi game where you like saw the this ocean planet through the eyes of, I think it was like an AI. Um it was interesting, but Citizen Sleeper, I, I I don't know much about it other than I liked their previous game, and I keep hearing delightful things. The uh, the squad over into the Aether had lots of nice things to say about it, so I'm looking forward to it, and I'm mentioning it here because I'll probably end up talking about it in a later episode. Uh, Maybe pretty soon, because everybody... we are planning on doing a Games You Missed episode of the Besties oh, next week. Yeah, that would be good. I'll I'll, I'll bring it for that. I think that's it. I think, I think we did that it. Is I think we did another episode. It. What did you? Uh, what did we talk about this episode? Oh, we talked about Lego Star Wars, and we talked about Kaguya Sama, Love Is War, and Citizen Sleeper, and uh, oh yeah, we talked about like a whole bunch of other Star Wars games. You know, Shadow of the Empire, Knights of the Old Republic, Rebel Assault, terrible game, Rebel Assault. We talked about Jar Jar Binks. Everybody should go check out this little movie called The Phantom Menace. Um, and I think that's it. I think that's it. I think that's it. Cool. Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening to the Resties. I'm Chris Plant. He's Russ Fresh Dick. This is the Resties, where the rest of the best discuss the best of the rest. Resties. Resties. Oh, yeah, I'm supposed to say that. (laughs)